And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have elite baseball training outfielder in 2024 Northwestern Baseball Commit, Ethan Borgren, on the JKR Podcast for the Illinois Baseball Series presented by Mind Baseball. Ethan, pumped to have you on the show, man. I know we talked down there in Florida there uh, when you were with that Cub Scout team, but pumped to have you here on the actual podcast. How are you doing tonight? Uh, yes, sir. I love the energy. Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm uh, excited to excited to be on and talk with you a little bit. Awesome, man. Here you're going to be here for. I believe it's going to be the last week of this Illinois baseball series. You know, the past two, two and a half, three months, been digging into this whole Illinois baseball scene. It's been great getting to know all you guys and kind of digging into your guys' careers. But you know, before we dig into the whole baseball side of things, I got one question I like to ask everybody that gets off that gets on the J Care podcast to get it started, and that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Ethan Borgren? Oh, wow. That's a little difficult one to answer. There's so much to go at. But um, I'd probably introduce myself. Something, the, something that sticks out is obviously the uh, the baseball player side. So I I, I always introduce myself like as a baseball player. But um, I'm a, I, I would say that I'm, like, I'm a brother. You know, I, I got I got some uh, sister that I, I love and I'm a family family guy. I love my parents. Um, uh, love spending time with my friends. Kind of just like the typical. Uh, just I I love to be friendly. I 
like to think of myself as a little bit of a comedian. Um, so I like I like to have fun. Um, and I I like to look at myself as Karen, I guess. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Digging into the personal side there as well. I like it. Yeah. Sometimes I some of these guys just go ahead and just you say you know outfielder Northwestern commit. I'm Ethan Borg, and then we just go along with the rest of the episode. So uh, you know, like digging into the personal side there. But you know, moving on to the baseball side. You know, first segment I want to dig into is the travel baseball scene. Obviously, with you being a class of 2024, I'm sure you've probably played your last travel baseball game. So let's go ahead, dig into elite baseball training. I know I was, I met Chris there in Florida a couple of weeks ago, got to learn a little bit about that program that he's been running. Um, kind of take us through how you got connected with elite baseball training, potentially some other teams you've played with as well in the travel scene. I'll just kind of take us through your travel baseball career. Yeah. So I, um, one of the things we'll, uh, I'll probably talk about a little bit later too, is I was always like a really, I was really late bloomer. Um, not the greatest baseball player when I was younger. I made the 8U, uh, like, kind of house all-star team, uh, Wells Park, as an alternate in my uh, 8U season. And I was also playing down as well. Like, I was I was already 8, and um, but I was uh, – made that team as an, all, uh, as an alternate. And then um, eventually throughout that season, uh, kind of – solidified myself as an actual player on that team. And then I kind of stayed with them, that Wells Park kind of Wells Park travel team for a couple of years. Uh, during that time though, I uh, always trained with elite baseball training at that time. I didn't even know it was like they had teams associated with the training program. Um, there were a few coaches over there. I worked with Justin Stone personally, who now like doesn't even do anything with elite anymore. He's always with the Cubs. Um, so that's pretty cool. But you know, I, I worked with him um Corey some of the guys I Chris came out came in a little bit later um but yeah I'd always trained with them and then one year one of the coaches I was working with at that time uh asked me why am I still playing <laughs> with that Wells Park team and uh asked me to come over without a tryout for the 15U season um so like really flash forward uh a ways there um but I was going to try out for top tier, maybe try myself over there. But I really, like, my parents and I had no idea what was going on. My dad was a basketball guy, so it was just, like, it was kind of just, like, feet fresh in the water. We had no idea what was going on. Um, and this coach kind of just took me in, brought me into Elite, and I was there uh, for a couple of years until 17U, um, all the way that I finished my Elite uh, high school career there. So, Yeah. So you end up playing for Wells Park there for quite a few years, go on to that elite, elite baseball training, playing for the actual teams. What was that transition like? Obviously, elite baseball training, I'm sure, is playing a little bit better competition than that Wells Park team. So what was that transition going from more of maybe a local to a team that's actually playing up against some better competition? Yeah, um, I guess another thing I kind of left out is that I made the jump from 13U to 15U because I was doing the playing up. I guess now that's kind of – I guess, again, my parents, like, we didn't know this, but, like, the kind of, the reclassed and, like, all that kind of stuff, we didn't know about that, and so we were always, like, oh, Ethan's playing up. Eventually, one year, he's going to have to do a double jump, Um, and so that was the year I did it, was I went from 13U Wells to 15U Elite, so it was already kind of, like, that was, what, 70-foot 70, 70 base pass to the 90-foot base pass, which is, like, that's kind of funny to think about as well, but... um obviously the competition is way different over at elite than kind of doing these house league, like 
Wells Park versus Horner Park. Now it's elite versus whoever, like bowls. I remember we played first year, which was like kind of just like the first commits that we ever played. It was just like such different baseball, man. Um, so that was really fun. And I kind of got to experience what competitive fun baseball was like with guys that will play the game for a while. So that was really cool. Yeah, so going through the summers with that elite baseball training team, um, what's that schedule generally look like? Because I haven't, I believe you're kind of the first guy, obviously beyond Chris, who I've talked to from that organization. Like, are you guys, you know, traveling to Grand Park, going to the Rock? Um, I'm sure you guys are maybe going to Atlanta as well throughout the summers. Um, kind of what does that what does that summer schedule look like there for elite baseball? Um, so as you get older, you kind of progressively travel farther. I'm sure that's pretty similar to other programs as well. Um. But we uh, would go to Kansas City. That was kind of our big trip, 15U, 16U. Um, yeah, the Creekside, I think it is. Uh, we'd go there. And then Grand Park multiple times, Rock multiple times. Uh, one or two Juliet tournaments at that, like, Inwood facility. Um, tiny fields those are. Like, 300 all around. Those were nuke fest. Um, but, you yeah, know, that, that was kind of where we were at. We ride going down to florida but then that hurricane came in so that kind of got canceled so i got yeah and no, it was kind of just like midwest mostly for us okay. okay so me being an indiana guy you know i go to grand park there quite a bit i'm sure i think i've been there yeah. probably three out of the five weeks when it came to fall ball haven't been to creekside haven't been to the rock yet you know what's that better facility you know going to you know going to kansas city going to creekside i hear good things about that i know the rock's pretty nice as well obviously grand park too um what's what's that best facility in your opinion um, I mean, I, I gotta give that to the rock, man. I like, we weren't there all that often, but I, I love the fact that like all those fields are based off of MLB stadiums. Like it's the, you got the giants field has that like really short right field. Um, and then you got the, the Boston got the really tall left field fence. Um, I feel like all those, uh, just makes kind of a cool factor. And then another factor that plays into it is that I feel like every time I'm at Grand Park or Creekside, it rains. It just pisses me off. It's <laughs> ruining, ruining my uh, tournament. So, yeah. Um, so you brought up Justin Stone there earlier. Obviously, like you said, has kind of moved on to – he's still connected with elite baseball training, but does the majority of his time working with the Chicago Cubs. Obviously, Chris Tierney, the guy that I met down in Florida, part of that Cub Scout team, um, I'm sure he was a big reasoning for you to join that Cub Scout team this past fall. But, you know, what was that – what are some of those relationships you're able to build – with elite baseball training, whether that's Justin, whether that's Chris, maybe some other coaches as well in the program, what were some of those relationships with coaches looking like? I mean, I feel like the reason I loved elite so much was the relationships, right? It's every coach, every day I walk in to this day, I will like go in, handshake, fist bump, whatever it is with every coach. Cause I know every coach I've known them for the last three years. And I feel like I had like genuine conversations with all of them. It doesn't feel like this kind of like timid player, like kind of big coach guys. Like it's these guys are guys that like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm friends with. And um uh I feel like all of them can use different things in their in their knowledge to help you out. Like uh Chris is a very helpful with recruiting. Um, he kind of did a lot of that for me. So I feel like that was a relationship that I really wanted to build so that I could kind of use that aspect of him um i love him though but then we got like all the hitting coaches too like they're also 
like kind of prestigious and loved working with them too so it's kind of they all have their own knowledge but in the same way like i feel like they're like my friends you know like it doesn't feel like uh i feel like i enjoy going to hang out with them every day i go into going to bradley and work yeah for sure so you talk about a prestigious coach prestigious hitting staff that that elite baseball training obviously has. And again, bringing up Justin Stone, he's working with big leaguers all the time. I think uh, Chris was telling me in the car down in Florida, you worked with Nico Horner and some of those guys, you know, quite often, you know, for you being a guy who trained with him for quite a while, kind of take us through a training session with, you know, a guy who's training with major league baseball hitters as well. Maybe some of the questions you were asking him throughout those years of training with them, kind of take us through what that looked like, you know, training with a major league coach. Yeah, I mean, it's also not just Justin Stone, right? Like, you got all those guys in there. Like, Dansby Swanson's in there every summer. Nico Horner, like you said. Um, the There's one of the Padres guys. The uh, Cron- Cronenworth is also in there. They all work with all those guys. Um, so that's really cool. But like you said, I feel like it – they use it to their advantage, right? They like kind of, oh, I was work, I was doing this with Cronenworth. So, and then you're like, oh, now I got to listen up, right? Like <laughs> he, he's doing this with a big leaguer. I got to, I got to open my ears wider. Um, So, I mean, like, I feel like they can use that, but also like it is as a player, it's, it's really cool to, you know, walk into Bradley one day in the summer and be like, holy, like that's Dansby Swanson. And like, that's my coach working with him. Like, that's just like, it's, I feel like it was just like that was a really cool aspect of also working with elite baseball training. Yeah, for sure. I know I know that elite baseball training when it comes to like the guys that are on that team. Obviously, you're from Illinois. I think a lot of the guys you guys get are from that Chicago area. You guys might dip into, you know, Indiana, Wisconsin there a little bit as well. What were some of those relationships you built with, you know, your teammates, guys across the state? And have you had the opportunity to play them in the springtime as well? You know, becoming more of a going from teammates to opponents. What was that like as well? Yeah, no. Um, we have had the uh, opportunity to play a lot of my teammates. Most of them are. I think there's only a few Indiana kids, but it's mostly Illinois. Um, I feel like there've been rivalries, and I look forward to certain games more than most, uh, more or more than others because of that. Um, I feel like that's a fun aspect uh, to any travel team is getting able to be on the other side of the dugout or um, other side of the field. Uh, from your teammates um I feel like the biggest one for me was Evanston I had three teammates uh now four uh that play at Evanston so that rivalry we played them in the sectionals last year and got smoked um but that was still like we looked forward to that game all season um we that was part of the reason why we wanted to be there was because we could beat Evanston and then it didn't end up happening but you know that's uh it was a fun aspect for sure yeah, so moving beyond elite baseball training, kind of where to we met this past fall, Cub Scout team. You, know, you guys finished one of the top teams in the nation there at the Jupiter event. I believe you guys made it to the Sweet 16, had a heartbreaking loss. I think it was like, what, 1-1 headed into the last inning. So you guys you know, competed, competed very well down there with some of the best teams in the country. So uh, I'm sure that was a great experience for you, great experience for all the guys here in the Midwest to play for that Cub Scout team. But, you know, kind of take us through this past fall, you know, of going playing four or five weeks with Chris, with Jerry, with uh, Bobby as well. Kind of take us through what that experience with that Cub Scout team was like. Yeah. Um, I feel like for me, it was a little bit different, uh, you know, how I got connected with the Cub Scout team and why I wanted to play for it. Um, this was the first year of Cub Scout as the five-star elite Cub Scout. But two years ago, there was, uh, just the normal like elite 
partnered with, you know, like Justin Stone helped out, but we got a, a team um, that was the Cub Scout team, sent them down to Jupiter. And I remember watching those guys, looking at like the social media, seeing them in there, like Cub Scout. And I was just like, those are like, I, I talked to those guys, like those guys, I've seen them in the facility and now they're like wearing a Cubs uniform, playing down in Florida in front of MLB scouts. Like that's, that's sick. Like that's what I want to do. It actually became a goal of mine two years in advance, like far before like five-star and elite even was going to be a thing. And so I feel like that was really cool that once I committed, I remember Chris sent me a Cubs logo and a question mark. And I remember like, thinking back in my chair and like damn like I kind of forgot about this but this was the dream right like this is like that is what I wanted to do and I like kind of completing that goal and achieving that like just playing for the team uh being on it was was really really cool um so I, I feel like that was a little bit of a different way of how I got connected so yeah. So you talk about, you know, all those scouts that are down there in Jupiter. Obviously, when I was there, I was trying to make as many connections as possible, walking around, shaking hands, seeing I felt like every major league logo there of guys, you know, watching the Cub Scout team, watching other teams there on other fields. For you, being in an event like that, seeing so many different scouts playing in front of them, how do you kind of block that out and kind of, you know, just kind of focus on focus on the game of baseball and just focus on, you know, you know performing your best? Yeah, I mean, I feel like for myself, I've always been really good at kind of blocking out whoever is behind um, the play. I feel like my parents helped out with that because they yelled at me so much when I was younger. I kind of just like figured it out how to just block it out. But um, I feel like I kind of was able to carry that into um, when those people behind the the screen in the back became scouts. And I feel like that became really helpful because I wasn't like, I didn't become nervous. Like everyone, like everyone's like, Oh wait, there's whoever this is behind the plate. And I was like, guys, we're playing a baseball game. It's like, it, it didn't really affect me like it did others. Um, I feel like I've never really had a problem with that because of that. Um, and Jupiter was really no different. I will say though, walking around Jupiter after to those main fields and seeing all those golf carts was a surreal. It was like, Jesus, that is a <laughs> lot of dudes, right? So, um, yeah, no, it, it was cool, but I feel like it didn't really affect me, uh, affect me at all. Okay, so with your, for I believe your travel baseball career, obviously with you being a 2024, has probably come to an end. Correct me if I'm wrong, if you're playing 18U ball or something like that, but, you know, take us through playing for that Cub Scout team, playing for elite baseball training there for quite a while. Take us through some of those favorite memories that come to mind when you think of your travel baseball experience, playing for those teams, kind of take us through what those memories would be. Yeah. Um, I definitely remember a lot when I was younger. We That Wells team I talked about, they weren't big tournaments, but I remember winning a lot of them. Um, and I remember like winning a lot of those like MVPs and um getting those trophies. I feel like we were so young that like every like I have them all actually on my on my shelf over there uh to this day, which is kind of funny. I should probably take those down. But um uh yeah, though like kind of just getting all those trophies, uh all those times with the team, um, my younger coaches kind of I feel like playing the game before we were playing the game um to get scouted, you know, just playing the game just to have fun. I feel like those were some of the best times and I still like, I have a blast now. Like I love playing. Um, but I guess without kind of the, the stress in and out of, you know, in the back of your head and no, I'm getting recruited right now and I'm like doing that, but just trying to get one of those trophies up there. So <laughs> I feel like 
those were those are some good times. And then recently, I would say Cub Scout was um, just being on that team was such like just that is going to live with me forever. Right. Um, there's no there's no better feeling than putting on like an MLB jersey and going out and playing a game like that's just like it was really cool. Like be, just being on a scout team. So I feel like um, those were some of my some of my favorite moments. So. Yeah. yeah, and even being from Chicago, I'm sure I'm sure it made it even a little bit more special to be putting on that Cubs uniform. Obviously, a yeah. brand there. I feel like everyone from the city of Chicago, you know, is a Cubs fan. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure that was a pretty fun experience. But moving yeah. from travel baseball to the whole high school scene, heading to your senior there at Lane Tech, I do want to throw it back there a couple of years, throwing it into your freshman, sophomore, junior year. Just kind of, you know, gonna give you the floor here, kind of take us through what those th- first three seasons of high school ball was like. Yeah, so like I said earlier, I was a really late bloomer. Like I was not a, like I was good, like I could hold my own, but I was freshman team as a freshman, I was sophomore team as a sophomore. Like it was not like I was playing varsity as a freshman batting 450. I, I was on the freshman team. I actually remember on the freshman team I was uh my nickname was E6. I played shortstop and I had 16 errors in the single season. Um and then I also had a 42 ERA which is like absolutely absurd. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> turned around next year, uh, had like a 30 ERA. So that was an improvement. And then they put me at first base and I had no errors. So, you know, that was again, an improvement. I won JV MVP that year, which uh, best MVP I've ever won right there. JV, let's go. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so those first two years, no varsity. I didn't. I didn't see varsity until end of my sophomore year. I didn't even see the field. I was just on the bench. Um, but so those first two years, and then after my sophomore year was kind of like that fall. Um, I batted, or that summer, I guess I batted like four fifty. Um, was the first time I think I'd ever had like I kind of realized that like scouts were behind, and that like this is something you can do in college. Um, and then, uh, that fall, I remember I batted like 650 and had like my first call with like a D one coach. And that was like, Oh my God, like, this is like, I could actually do this. And like, if I, like, if I wanted to, like, I could play college level baseball, which is just not something that I'd really thought about like being able to do. Like I just, I wasn't good enough. Um, and then there I was like, I, I kind of, I'd figured it out. I'd worked, um, and then that off season was what really when I was like, okay, I, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. And I really put my foot down and I, I, I put the pedal on the gas um, or whatever that phrase is. And I, I really went to work and that junior year varsity, I started as a like freshman. There was kind of, or as a freshman, I started as a junior um, and uh, the whole season. And I, I played well. I had to wrote some ups and downs, but Overall, I had I had a good season and it was like what I wanted, right? Like I didn't want to kind of be a fringe guy. Like I put that work in that off season. It was like this is what I want to do. Um, I want to be like this everyday guy for my team, and I I was I was able to do that. So, so you talk about that late development to where you know you're a sophomore on the sophomore team, kind of where you know like you said, kind of fringe player at that moment in time. You know, you start seeing those scouts there watching. You start to realize, okay, like you know, I might be able to go play this this game at the next level. What do you think kind of led to that late development? Was there like, you know, different training that you put into play? Was it maybe just, you know, maturing a little bit more as a ball player, as a person even? Uh, kind of take us through what maybe led to that that development there later on. Yeah, I think it was uh, 
the friends that I made at my high school. Um, one of my friends, he has uh, like a, a workout garage um, that's like a really nice gym. Uh, and then my school is across the street from Bradley Fieldhouse, which is a really nice like kind of baseball facility. Um, and it was literally like me and my buddy every day where we'd walk to that facility across the street and then walk to his house and work out. And it, that was just every day because it was just, it was so easy, right? It was right there. Like, and we both like kind of set our minds, like, this is what we want to do. Like, like there's no other stuff that we want to do that we're focused and we held each other accountable. And that's kind of what got me to like being at the point um, where I was confident in my abilities as a baseball player and kind of just progressing and being like, yeah, no, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And um, I'm actually good at it now. So. <laughs> So now being a guy who, you know, you went through your first varsity, your first varsity year last year as a junior, you know, you kind of know what to expect here going in. What are those expectations for yourself for your senior year, but also for this Lane Tech team heading into that uh, 2024 spring? Yeah, um, I'd say personally, um, I was all conference last year. I want to repeat that. Um, I would also like to uh, – maybe go for a run at uh, Allstate. Um, I know I was pretty high in some of the statistics last year for Illinois 4A, so um, try to reach for some of those goals. And then as a team, I feel like we have all the tools to go far again. I feel like we're a better team. We're coming back better. Um, and I feel like actually last year we were ranked like 19th going into the start of the season. Um, and then we kind of just plummeted. We lost our first three games. Like, it was just like it was really rough. Um, did not live up to the expectations. Um, this year, I have no idea if we're going to be ranked or not, and I don't really care. I just, like, we need to go out and ball every day, and we need to get after it. And uh, if we do, we have the guys that are able to get it done. So I think that we could have a really successful season if we just don't worry about anything and just go out and play. Yeah, so being a guy who was all-conference there last year as a junior, you know, heading to a Power 5 school after this upcoming spring – do you see yourself as a leader heading into this locker room there for your senior year? Or where do you kind of see yourself on that leadership level? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had talks with you know, coaches about we're going to have a young team this year, um, a younger team. And uh, I will be that guy that's in the clubhouse, in the locker room, in the uh, in the dugout this year that has to lead those younger guys, lead, lead even the older guys, some of them. Um, but be that guy on the team that kind of, is the the forerunner for you know what we got to get done what we got to do someone that people can look up to um i remember a moment at the end of the season last year after we lost in the sectionals uh josh katz he, he's at penn right now he's a freshman at penn but he was our he was our ace and he was the the leader last year um team captain and he looked at me and like you know everyone was tearing up it was emotional and he looked at me and said this is your team now borg and I remember that was like, I was not going to cry. I was set on it. I was not going to cry. And I just felt that tear roll down my face as he said that. It was like really just a rounded moment, right? It was just the captain passing it on to the to the next captain. So it was just like, oh, yep, no, I'm, I'm up for it, though. Like, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it, so. Okay, so you talk about, you know, Lane Tech being in 4A. You know, I'm not, me being Indiana, I'm not 100% how that works. I'm assuming that's one of the bigger 
school levels when it comes to Illinois. I'm not sure if it's the top or not, but um, I'm sure you guys are facing some great competition throughout the spring. I know you Sushi was telling me last week what the schedule looks like, but I, I forget, I forget some of those teams you're playing. Um, just kind of take us through that competition level you guys are facing in the spring. Some of those other, you know, top tier teams that you're facing, uh, maybe some teams that are, you know, circled on that calendar as well. What does that competition level look like throughout the spring there in your area of Illinois? Yeah, um, our out-of-conference play is really deep. Uh, it always has been. It was last year. It's going to be again this year. Uh, when we look at, like, even our first week, we were playing some of the top top teams in the state again. Uh, it like a really good chance to get ourselves on, like, the board, get guys looking at us um, to be one of those top teams in the state. Uh, that first week is really big. Playing teams like Mount Carmel, Brother uh, – I don't know about Brother Wright, so I think it's – uh, what's that team? St. Rita. Um, guys like that who are like top 4A teams um, who can really set the tone at the start of that season. And then um, kind of conference play. Uh, I'd say that the, the big game that's circled on the calendar this year is Kenwood. Um, we lost in the city in the city semifinals last year um, to them. It was a two to one game or the three to two game. Uh, walk off Bach. I was actually on the mound, but we don't talk about that. Um, but we lost three to two in a really tight game, really fun environment, packed crowd. We got like a big stadium, and um, that's for sure 100. That's the team that I want this year. Uh, I know our coaches want it. I know the other guys that were on the team last year want it. Um, that's that's what we're preparing for this year. I I want to beat the ever living crap out of them this year so that that's that's the circle calendar right there all right so you say city you said city semifinal. so how does that work like if you're from like the chicago area is there like a city tournament and then a conference tournament as well how's that work yeah so we're our conference is a chicago public league um so like our our championship is the city championship like it's kind of that's what it is uh the other like other conferences are like the catholic league the Catholic championship but like we're a public we're public schools and so we are like the, it's the city championship so it's kind of just like it's our conference it's not okay. like okay that makes sense I wasn't sure if like since you guys are such from such a big city if there was like a city yeah. and then like a conference tournament. okay but that makes sense um anyway one last question about high school ball then we'll go ahead kind of dig into you know your next step there getting Northwestern um kind of the same question I asked about travel baseball but, you know, you going through your freshman year, sophomore year, you know, being all conference last year, you know, committing, you know, recently as well. What are some of those favorite memories that come to mind when you think of, you know, high school baseball, playing at Lane Tech, you know, having, you know, those emotional moments with those seniors last year as well? Um, I guess kind of take us through some of those favorite memories that come to mind. Yeah, um, I'd say wearing the, like the LT, wearing that Lane Tech uniform uh, is very special to me. Um, Lane Tech is always where I wanted to go. I drove past it everywhere. I'm like to my drive to my middle school. I live at it every day. Dad, I want to go there. Um, so uh, I feel like being able to put that on, like, kind of just reminds me, like, I'm like I made it. Like, I'm here. Like, my little self would be so happy and proud. Um, and I feel like some of some of my best moments are uh, for sure, like Florida. Uh, our team goes down to Florida every year. We play some of the, like, we played uh, Archbishop McCarthy, which was one of the top teams in the country. Uh, they held IMG tight last year. Um, we were actually winning that game for five innings, and then everything fell apart. But, um, that I mean, Florida was just a blast going with all the seniors. Um, and then I feel like 
that uh that city championship that 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 run we went on um meaningful like there's nothing like meaningful baseball like when you play in like a meaningful baseball game uh there's no other feeling that beats that so i feel like um some of those those city city playoff games were just like so much fun the adrenaline was up like i just like everything about it just i i want to live in that atmosphere right yeah, for sure. So again, you know, kind of digging into your next step, you know, going to Northwestern here, um, you're what, probably what, nine, 10 months away from stepping foot on campus as a freshman. So uh, not too far away from that. But let's, let's dig into kind of what got you there. I saw you kind of committed there this past summer. Um, Kind of take us through that recruiting process. You know, earlier you talked about you know, that late development, kind of how you saw the recruiting process, you know, from the sounds of it, you know, kind of came pretty quickly once it got started. So um, kind of take us through that recruiting process and, you know, when to get started for you, when was it that some coaches in uh, division one uh, programs kind of started reaching out? Yeah. Uh, I'd say that after that, like that fall before my senior year was that year that, or that fall um, that I batted, it was like six fifty. something. It was something stupid like that. I don't know. I just didn't get out. Um, and I remember the first call with division one coach I had, I was, I was shaking. I was like, I didn't know, like, it was just kind of a surreal moment. Um, circled that off the bucket list. Right. Like it was just like, I'd been on one call before that with a, a singular college coach. So it was just like, it was still new to it um, because of that late development and uh, nothing ever came of that phone call actually. But uh, I remember like kind of being able to calm myself down uh, and I feel like I really learned from that moment and was able to take that into uh, future calls with future coaches that I kind of uh, carried on going forward. Um, and then I'd say that my recruiting kind of actually like legit talking, not just like emailing or like a once in a while phone call started, um, at least with Northwestern, kind of right before my high school season of my junior year. Um, I remember the coach reached out to uh, or one of the coaches there, he's now no longer there, reached out to um, Chris Tierney at Elite and then also my high school coach and kind of just put us in contact. I had a, like a couple calls with them and then they came, they ended up coming to a couple uh, of my high school season games. I played well at, I remember um, getting a couple hits off some Purdue commits uh, in front of that, that staff. Um, and then I was, I was kind of just like, yeah, this is like, I'm doing well. Like, I, like I want things to progress. Uh, and but kind of nothing did. I went to a camp for Northwestern in um, like right before the summer season started. Uh, but still, like at that time, like really nothing else with other schools. Like I hadn't really tried talking to other schools. Um, and so it was really just kind of Northwestern at that time. Um, I'd had some calls like at, at random points with uh, other schools. Uh, and then summer hit. And that's kind of like that first weekend. I think I was like six for nine with two home runs. I got like my first division one offer over a phone call. Um, just like that. I mean, that's that, that in itself, I should have said that as one of my favorite travel moments was kind of being over that phone call. I was not expecting that. I'll tell you that. Um, getting that call, getting that, that offer and looking at my mom and kind of giving her a hug, like, like, damn, I, I did it. Like I'm going to play college baseball. Um, was such a like such a surreal feeling. That that right there is the best feeling I think I've ever had. Um, and then uh, kind of going through the summer, talking to more and more schools, having more and more guys come out to see me. Um, Northwestern kind of had that that coaching change. Um, in the middle of that that season, I kind of 
kind of lost sight of that. I didn't, I was like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work out like these coaches. Um, but then I remember Brian Anderson, I, I have had a call with Brian Anderson, who's still there um, at Northwestern. Main reason I'm going to Northwestern uh, is, uh, is Brian Anderson and the coach that he is and the way he talks to his players and how he talked to me at the camp. I just, I remember leaving that, that camp in the beginning of the summer and just being like, I want to play for Brian Anderson. And I remember like my parents like asked me like, what if he like, what if he leaves? Like what, what happens like coaching staff? And I was like, I want to, I want to follow Brian Anderson. Like that's, that's my guy. Like I know that's, I like had a feeling that that was my guy. Um, just cause of the way he talked to me at the camp, the way he kind of coached me through some stuff, um, the way he talked about stories, he was an MLB player, the way he talked about his career, it was, it was fascinating to me. And I just, I remember I, I was so, I, I was convinced that that was the right guy. Um, and I remember they, they called me, uh, couple tournaments to go in the summer and um called me gave me an offer in front of my parents and didn't take long I'll tell you that much it was like maybe a day or two before I committed so um and I'm, I'm super happy the new coaching staff is is really great I love Greenspan um Ross uh love him too from Duke uh whole, it looks like it's going in the right direction I, I'm, I couldn't be happier with where I'm at yeah, and I definitely want to dig into that relationship with Brian Anderson, the relationship you have with Greenspan. You said Ross as well. Um, I do want to throw it back there just a little bit. That first phone call, you said you're shaking. Take us through, you know, what's going through your mind there, talking to your first collegiate coach. You're like, man, you know, maybe this, you know, dream of playing collegiate baseball is going to become a reality. Kind of take us through what's going through your mind on that initial phone call. Oh, my God. It's, it's just constant. Ethan, don't F this up. Please don't F this up. Um. And I remember just like, what, like, what do I say? Like, what, like, it's kind of what questions is he going to ask me? I remember my mom sent me like this massive checklist of things that I should like try to say to him. And it ended up being like a five minute phone call, but like, I got nothing off the checklist. I was like, <laughs> no, what did I do? But um, yeah, I feel like it was just like being on the like call with that coach at the division one level it was just like, wow like I made it right like this is like this is what I've been in the gym for this is what I've been uh in the cages for this is what I've been working for um and kind of just like I remember sitting back in that chair during that quick call and being like like I worked for this and I'm I'm really happy that I'm here so kind of just trying to live in that moment and be like damn like kind of look back and I, I made it right for sure so you know as you're going through that first phone call with that coach you said you know as more and more coaches started calling you got a little bit a little bit more used to it maybe weren't shaking before those phone calls were yeah. stuck um kind of take us through some of those initial conversations you know not nothing too deep but just in terms of you know maybe questions that they're asking you to kind of get to know you off the field maybe questions you're asking them to get to know about their program and just them as a coach kind of take us through what the, some of those initial conversations were looking like yeah um Early off for me, I kind of knew that I wanted to stay, like, at least Midwest. Not, like, at first I was not looking Northwestern close to home. Like, that is, like, Northwestern's a 20-minute drive from my house. And I still don't know how I feel about being that close to my parents. But <laughs> we're going to figure – we're going to cross that bridge when we get there. Um, I remember – but I do remember, like, trying to think Midwest, um, which meant, like, good indoor facilities because it gets cold up there in, in the winter months um and then kind of like a, a a younger coaching staff was pretty important to me um I don't remember really why I still don't really know why I just I feel like I connect with younger coaches a little bit more man I don't I don't know 
don't know what that's about, but I remember knowing that. Um, and then I feel like, yeah, no, that, that indoor facility, uh, is, was really big. So I kind of asked about the facilities, what they're training, uh, what their training is, um, kind of just stuff along that line. Right. Okay. So with, uh, you know, having, you know, having those indoor facilities, you know, kind of staying somewhat close to home, obviously, like you said, 20 minutes, wasn't maybe the ideal spot for you, but that's where you ended up. Brian Anderson, the relationship you had with him, you said after that phone call, you got that offer, wasn't too long until you actually made that commitment to what Northwestern. So what was that, you know, maybe just that final click, what exactly was it that put Northwestern on top, maybe over some other Midwest schools? Yeah, I mean, I remember having a call with my mom the day after, and we we did this thing where we put up like a, a checklist of what what Northwestern gives me and what I think I need. And um, I remember just being like, mom, like, this is like a top 10 school in the country academically. And I think it still is. Like it's number 10 in the entire country academically. And like that sets you up for life. Like that, like if baseball doesn't work out, which like you have to plan for, um, like, it, like I, I'm set with a Northwestern degree. And um, I feel like that made my parents kind of settle into the decision a lot easier because they were really big on academics, um, the whole recruiting process. Um, my mom was like a valedictorian of her class at West Point, which is a really good uh, college. Um, and so she was stressed the need for like good academics and Northwestern gave it to me. Um, and then those indoor facilities, I don't know if you've seen them, but those are like legit on the water, on the beach like just gorgeous facilities. So I feel like it just like everything made decisions so easy. Brian Anderson made me feel so comfortable with it. It was just like, it really, like I looked at my mom, I was like, there's like, there, why not? Like there's no, there's nothing that's telling me not to, not to go with this. So it, it was just like such an easy decision. Yeah. So going to such a great academic school, being less than a year away from stepping foot on campus as a freshman, have you uh, decided what you're going to be studying at Northwestern? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go into economics. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't really know, uh, really know what I'm going to do in that field, but we're, we're going to do economics and I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, Northwestern academics can be daunting for sure. Um, but, um, I'm facing it with confidence, confidence in myself. So we're going to be good. We're going to be good. All right. So dig it into Brian Anderson. Let's see. Uh, you said, uh, Greenspan, Ross as well. When it started off with Brian Anderson, the coach that's kind of stayed there throughout this process, you know, stayed on from that previous coaching staff. Take us through the relationship you have with him, how you're able to build that with him. And then again, with Greenspan, with Ross, some of those new coaches that were coming in as well. Take us through how you built those relationships so quickly too. Yeah. Um. For, for Anderson, uh, I remember I met him at the camp. Um, I had not talked to him previously. It was, it was a coach that's now at um, a different school. Um, but I remember I met him at the camp. Uh, they had known who I was going to the camp. So I kind of, I talked to him briefly then. Uh, that was kind of, like I said earlier, that was where I kind of realized like this guy's legit. Like this is who I want to play for. Um, and then uh, kind of going forward from there, uh, that coaching change happened and I was kind of left with no connection to Northwestern whatsoever. I remember I DM'd Anderson on Twitter for his phone number. And I remember he gave it to me and we had, that was kind of where that call came from. Um, and I feel like that conference, like just talking to him on the phone, 
like kind of one-on-one uh kind of started that relationship we kind of talked about like what i want what what they want um like kind of everything and i feel like we just like we really kicked it off and i i love i love talking to them to this day like i can send a video um i can like do all that and it just it feels like so welcoming and like he's super responsive um just everything was just kind of pointed to yes right so um yeah okay and then how have you been able to build the relationship with that new coaching staff that came in a couple months ago yeah um phone calls have been big um for sure i've had a couple with um greenspan uh i feel like the most helpful thing for me is i know um one of the guys that's on the team currently uh his name is Lorenzo Rios and he's been really helpful as well. Um, kind of, I can just ask him whatever I want. Uh, when the new coaches came in, I was like, like, dude, what do you think? Like, I, I need to know what, like what's going on. And um, he was just like super, like, he's like, Ethan, like, this is like, this is sick. Like, this is where you want to be. The new coaches are amazing. Like, this is, this is like, this is where you need to be. Um, so I feel like that also like made me kind of settle into the idea of like, yeah, no, like this Greenspan is like the right option. Ross is good. Like everyone is just like, this is right. So um, kind of going into those like open minds uh, and then kind of just talking with Greenspan, talking about myself, uh, my baseball career, what I want to do, um, just everything. It's just like it, it was natural, right? That's what it needs to be. And it was, so it was good. So you talk about Lorenzo Rios. I'm assuming he's, uh, will, will you be able to play with him, you know, while you're at Northwestern or is he going to be graduated by then? Yeah, no, he'll, he'll be a junior when I'm a freshman. So. Okay. So, you know, on top of Lorenzo, potentially some other guys, you know, obviously with you staying in the state of Illinois, I'm sure there's other guys within the state going to Illinois within your 24 class. Um, Keta, what are some of those relationships you're able to build with your future Wildcat teammates? Yeah. Uh, in Florida, actually, I missed one of the Cub Scout dinners because I went and had dinner with some of the, future wildcats um a little upset about that but uh, it was really cool to um kind of connect with them for the first time i got to meet their parents i we obviously we like all have group chats all, all our commits so we were talking a little bit then but kind of getting go down and uh kind of look forward that entire trip to being able to meet them meet them in person i got to play against that that canes national or that canes american team uh one of the northwestern commits was also on that team um, I got a two RBI hit against them, put us up, uh, put us up even more. Um, that was fun. So kind of just like getting to go down there, build that relationship from the start. I got, we got the, uh, the official visit this weekend. I'm pumped for that, man. Um, so kind of like all of that coming together, starting to build that relationship before we actually get on campus and start the next four years with each other. Yeah. So official visit this weekend. I know, uh, you know, I go to Indiana, so I saw these different guys, you know, walking around campus this past weekend, taking all those photos and those photo shoots, you know, maybe putting on that Northwestern jersey for the first time, you know, building yeah. the relationships you have with that 24 class, going, just having a good time there on Northwestern's campus. Take us through that excitement you have for this upcoming weekend, excitement you have for National Signing Day coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Um, Kind of the final two things uh, you do before you actually step on foot on campus. So kind of what's that excitement you have for those two events? Yeah, I mean, each one is just one step further uh, or one step closer, I should say, to actually getting on that campus, which I'm just so excited for. Um, I don't want to rush away in my senior season uh, in my senior year. Like I want to I want to live in the moment and be a, be here and present for my senior year. But uh I wouldn't mind if it if it quickened up a little bit because I am 
super excited to get on that Northwestern campus, um, start playing there uh, and kind of becoming a college student there. And I feel like both of those are, are steps closer to that. And that just gets me even more and more excited and envisioning what's going to actually be. So, yeah, I'm sure. But uh, last baseball segment here for, before we kind of dig into the personal side to end it off, um, want to dig into your on the field play. You being an outfielder, I think you might've played a little bit of third base down in Jupiter as well. I, I could be wrong. I just, for some reason that's in the back of my mind, but um, you being an outfielder kind of take us through where you kind of see yourself at that next level, whether that's corner outfield, playing center, potentially another position as well. Where do you kind of see yourself at that next level? Yeah. Um, so I was an outfielder with the, uh, the Cubs, but I am a utility and I would like my main position are third and first base. Um, so I'd say going into, going to college, uh, I'm really prepared to play any position, uh, that like can get me on the field. Right. Um, I feel comfortable at all, all seven positions. I don't want to pitch in college and I promise you, I cannot catch. We've tried that. Um, so, uh, but I am like, middle, like I played middle infield. I've played like, I'm really like experienced with the corners, uh, outfield, I feel comfortable. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm prepared to play whatever position gets me on the field. Okay. So being a guy who can, uh, you know, move around the field, go play at pretty much every different position besides catcher and pitcher. What are some of those adjustments you have to make going from the infield to the outfield, vice versa from the outfield to the infield, going from a corner spot to the middle of the field. What are some of those adjustments you have to make going, you know, you know, being a utility guy moving around the field? Uh, yeah, it's definitely all mental, right? There's so many different, like, kind of plays you have to have in mind, where you're going with each play, um, situation stuff uh, at each position. And mastering, like, all those kind of different situations at a single position can be difficult in itself. And having to do that all the positions, that was definitely kind of like a step up for kind of just I really know the game of baseball now. And I feel like that's kind of helped me get to that point. Um, because I've had to know each like each situation for every position, and that's different than my team's shortstop, who only has to know shortstop stuff. Um, so it, it is definitely taxing because of how much is going through your head at all times. Um, but I also feel like it's helpful uh, knowing like what's going on at every position. You know what you're doing in their situation. Like it's just, it, I'd say it's really helpful um, to like be able to know all those. Okay, so digging into the hitting side of things here, uh, can I take you through your hitting approach? Let's say you're on deck, you're watching the watching the guy in front of you, watching the pitcher warm up, whatever, walking up to that batter's box. Take us through what's going through your mind. What are you trying to do with each at bat? You know, kind of you know, let's dig through that hitting approach here. Yeah, um, for me, uh, I found my most success when I attack early. So. I kind of when I'm in the like on deck circle, I'm trying to figure out what pitch this guy is going to uh, on the first pitch. Is it a strike or not? Uh, can I expect to see a strike on first pitch? Because really, what I want to do is I want to get out, like I want to get in that box and on first base as quick as I can. Um, just because that's how I've found that I'm successful um, with Cub Scout this year. Uh, I struggled early on because I wasn't doing that and the pitching was so good consistently that I was getting my to two strikes. And when you're facing low nineties arms with disgusting stuff every time, and you're on two strikes, every AB, you're not going to be successful. I promise you I did that. So like, it's just kind of getting out of ABs really like kind of hitting that like early strike. Um, Cause you don't know what you're going to get the rest of the AB. Um, 
I feel like I was, I'm really successful when I can just jump on early strikes uh, and hit them to wherever they're, they're pitched to. Cause I'm, my swing is good. I've uh, prepared for all that kind of stuff. So just like getting out of the ABs early. Yeah. So being a guy who likes to be aggressive there early in the count, when you do get the two strikes, how does that approach change? Kind of take us through that two strike approach as well. Yeah. Um, I'd say like physically I do, like I, I get down, uh, get down further in my, like I squat down a little bit. Um, and then I kind of, I just try to simplify everything up. Right. Like I, I don't, I try not to strike out at all. Um, so I'm really kind of just like my mindset is I'm hitting everything that's pitched at me unless it's like not a strike. Right. So I, I, I can't, I cannot strike out. I cannot strike out looking either. Um, and so kind of just like using those mentalities of just like, hit every just hit everything with my simplified approach has kind of helped me foul off pitches and then also um you know hit the strikes that are given to me mm -hmm. so uh digging into the mechanics so you know from that load up to that follow through take us through those mechanics as well maybe how they've matured these past couple of years as you've matured more as a ball player take us through what those mechanics are looking like as well yeah um for me again i've kind of found success in um being really kind of in mentally thinking that I'm really stacked over my back leg um that helps me be on time to all sorts of pitches um in my head I'm legit thinking that I'm swinging with 100% weight over my back leg and then you'd like look at it on video and clearly that is not what's happening but that's what I need to think in my head um to be able to get that result um and so kind of it's, it's a little silly in my head when I was first trying it because I was like what like this is this seems stupid um but it really does it really helps me kind of stay back stay on time not lunge um all those and then uh another thing that has really helped me is being tilted um or like my tilt uh getting my chest over the plate so I can freely turn with my hips instead of kind of trying to create room with like an unneeded extension that kind of blocks off the inner half of the plate um, for me when I, when I don't get tilted. Okay. So digging into your game's entirety. So whether this is hitting base running, playing wherever the hell it is on the field, whether that's infield, middle infield, outfield, whatever, um, kind of take us through, if you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? Mm, that's a fun question. Um, yeah, I'd say um, I'd write the first thing I'd write at the top of the page is kid needs to lay off low balls because I struck out way too many times this fall on pitches that were in the dirt, um, which hasn't been a problem. And I've fixed it like I fixed it towards the last two tournaments of the fall. But Jesus Christ, those first two tournaments or those first three tournaments, just me swinging in the dirt, trying to play golf. Um, but uh, I'd say I'm pretty like I'm fast uh, ish for my like I run like a six eight um, so I can hold my own in the outfield. Um, I get good jumps in the outfield as well. Um, I can track balls down. Uh, I can cut off like I get good reads as well. Um, kind of tracking balls and cutting them off uh, as soon as possible. I my arm like kind of velocity is decent as well. Like, I throw like ninety six um, from the outfield, so I feel like. Um, I've made a couple of plays uh, in the fall and then also kind of throughout the summer that kind of proved that like I can get guys out at home uh, from the outfield if I need to. And then uh, from the infield um, throw, throw it across pretty well as well. Um, and at the plate uh, I feel like 
I'm kind of growing into my body a little bit. This is my first off season that I'm going into without being injured. I had a partially torn UCL last year and then a um, couple injuries my last couple off seasons. So this is my first real off season that I get to fully work uh, and fully take advantage of. Um, so uh, I get to kind of grow into my body. This is often that's a big goal is kind of trying to gain weight uh, and then kind of gain some power. Cause right now I feel like I do have some good kind of wiry pop. Um, but I would say like, I am kind of more of a contact guy right now. Um, maybe more of a double singles guy and not, uh, not as much as a kind of that Mason Braun home run 105 exit below every time you get up to play kind of, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you talk about how one of the things you want to work on is not chasing low balls, you know, beyond that kind of digging into your digging into your actual development. What would be some of those key things you want to work on before actually landing on Northwestern's campus next fall? Yeah. So like I said, like this is really my first offseason being able to fully um, get after it. Last offseason, I had a partial torn UCL. I couldn't touch a weight with my upper body for four months, which sucked. Um, it was also one of the best things that ever happened to me because I uh, learned how to run. I ran a 7.3 going into that offseason. I came out running a 6.8. Um, and kind of getting that mobility that I didn't have before with that speed, uh, I turned like my 85 uh, pull down into a 96, like coming out of it. It was just like overall, like it ended up being really good, but I was not able to get big. And I feel like that's kind of the biggest thing right now is – how big can I get and still be able to play baseball uh, efficiently? Um, trying to get to like 195, 200, which is like still like I'm 185 right now. Um, so not crazy jumps, but still like that'd be substantial for me if I could really get there um, and do that before I can get on the Northwestern's campus. So uh, one last baseball question here for you. So obviously earlier we talked about that historic hitting hitting staff that baseball training has with Stone, with some of those other guys who are working with Swanson, Cronenworth, Horner, those type of guys playing for a very, very good high school program there at Lane Tech. You know, obviously all these different coaches that you've had so far in your baseball career, um, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of them, but who would be, I guess, two to three people, who would be the most influential within your baseball career so far? Um, Yeah, I'd say uh, Dan Cannon. He's a hitting coach over at Elite. Uh, changed like me as a baseball player hitting wise uh even fielding like just the way I think about baseball the way I uh kind of look at situations look at hitting like it's just like what he's done for me I like it truly is like he's changed my baseball career um for the better and he's still who I work with I've worked with him for like three years now um definitely one of the more influential people in my uh kind of adults that I look up to uh, another one is Chris just purely from getting me where I am going to college um how much help he put into that uh really like just so helpful to everyone at elite um so I feel like he's he's another one uh and then am I allowed to say my dad well that see that's I mean I guess I, I should probably when I ask when I ask that question I should probably bring up that you're allowed to say your dad because I, I mean I feel like you know, when you, when people, when ball players talk about their most influential people, I mean, 99% of the time, you know, the dad's in that top three. So, uh, no, for sure that your dad could definitely be in that top three, but. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it would definitely be my dad just, you know, kind of giving me access to everything I need. Um, 
kind of pressing me to be better, pressing me to um, kind of go after it and like kind of, I don't know, I'm losing the word here, but uh, uh, influencing me to keep trying, like doing all that stuff. So I feel like he's just really been my rock throughout this whole process. Awesome, man. Well, uh, one last segment here for you before we kind of end it off. Like moving away from the baseball field, digging into more of the personal side of things here to end it off. First question, passions beyond the game. Let's say you got to go cope with some stress. You got to go take your mind off of something. Uh, beyond baseball, what are some of those passions, maybe some of those hobbies that you have? Uh, you're going to get me in trouble, but I spend too much time with my girlfriend, that's for sure. Um, I don't. I used to be a big video games guy. Um, that'd be kind of where I go after after doing all my lifts and stuff. And then, you know, just got my girlfriend and she uh, she takes up all my free time now um, that I'm not spending on baseball. So I'd say that uh, she's for sure, for sure up there for what I, what I do in my free time. Okay. And that can't be a bad thing, but uh, moving from passions, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> moving from passions to motivations. Um, can I take us through, you know, what is it that helps you get out of bed every morning, help you continuously evolve as a ball player, but also as a person, what would be some of those motivations that you have? Um, I feel like for me, uh, there's a quote that I, we kind of look over it. We have, a, I have a class that I, we kind of do quotes every day today. The one was, um, the good life is the direction, not the destination. And I feel like kind of waking up every day, uh, loving the process of kind of getting better at baseball, um, working at it every day. I feel like that's definitely like why I love to get up in the morning um you know and then also like my family like they're like always there um really just like kind of encouraging me every day and I feel like I, I couldn't like not get up in the morning if you have that kind of uh foundation behind you for sure so uh, taking that question a little bit further let's say you know you keep going through this process you know I hear that you know I'm a big guy when it comes to listening to those motivational podcasts uh I don't listen to Goggins but I listen to a lot of the other guys and yeah they talk a lot about the process. Um, so let's say you keep going through that process. You keep, you know, using that family as motivation, build on that foundation that you have. Perfect picture of your life. 20 years down the road, you know, what, what would that probably be? What, 37, 38? Everything's going right for you. What does that perfect picture look like? Well, come on, Jace. Hall of Fame. What do you think? Um, nah, yeah. Um, I would say, like, perfect picture. I, I, I would like to be in the MLB for sure. That'd be, that'd be a decent, decent picture for sure. Um, uh, I wouldn't mind that at all. So I feel like, you know, maybe settling down after a good, good MLB career would be my perfect picture for sure. All right. Perfect. You know, I'm, I was assuming that was kind of what the answer was, but you know, I always got to double check, but how many times do you get something that's not MLB? It's, it's not, not very often. Um, I would yeah. probably maybe one out of every 20 guys maybe, you know, just kind of skips the baseball part and digs into something else. But uh, yeah. you know, I'll say probably 99% of the time, but anyway, man, six more questions here for you. Rapid fire pace. Can I be kind of quick? Right. Three sets of two questions on each, uh, on each rapid fire section. So first off, coolest contact in your phone, scrolling through that phone. Who's that coolest contact? That not too many people have um, go to playlist. 
And let's say, you know, well, that's a long drive. I, I generally like to say, you know, what's that go-to playlist on your ride to, you know, whatever campus, but 20 minutes isn't very long. So let's say go-to playlist in the weight room, take it, you know, on a flight, maybe down to Florida. What are you putting on the speakers? So, you know, coolest contact, go-to playlist. What are they? Uh, I got you. Uh, coolest contacts definitely. Uh, he's actually my best friend, but Aman Khan. Um, he played in the uh, World Baseball Classic for Team Pakistan. Um, he's also he goes to Lane Tech, um, but he plays uh, played for the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he's gonna go play in Taiwan in December. Play for Team Pakistan again. Uh, really cool dude. Um, pretty cool story as well. Bringing baseball to minorities and definitely Pakistan expanding the game. Uh, and then playlists, uh, I gotta go. I, I like working, don't ask me why, but I love working out to sad music for some reason. Like it makes me create sad stories that like I work out for. I don't know why it's just what I do. So I'd say some kind of like slow beat Mac Miller, um, maybe some Zach Bryan. So th those, those are what gets me, gets me into workout mode. Okay, man. All you, all you Illinois guys have some, uh, some, you know, I'm not going to say odd, but some different playlists. You know, I've talked to quite a few guys through these past couple of weeks from Illinois and, you know, they're just, they're not what I'm usually, you know, used to of, you know, a lot of people are throwing out, uh, you know, little baby or all those different rappers or, you know, more yeah. or Luke Combs, stuff like that. So uh, I've definitely had a little bit of uh, some different playlists out there, but second set of questions here for you. Let's say I'm taking a trip to your part of Chicago what are some of those recommendations you have for me, whether that's restaurants, some things to do, what would be those, those recommendations? And then let's say you have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would be at that table? All right. Um, Chicago. Uh, I'm going to have to go down to my neighborhood. There's just too much in Chicago. Um, you got to try out uh, the Mexican. I'm a big Mexican food guy. You got to try out uh, Cinco de Mayo uh right across from wells park um uh do i need any three things from? no 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 just you know however many you're good yeah yeah all right. well that that restaurant is a must try i think i'm there twice a week at least um so getting a burrito uh just it's a necessity if you if you come down my way um and then three people dead or alive uh my girlfriend would kill me if i didn't say her so i'm gonna say her just because i want to be alive um, and then, uh, I'd have to say, I, I think Mike Trout would be pretty cool. Uh, and then, uh, Muhammad Ali. Okay. So, cool. I, I get quite a bit of Mike Trout, but that's the first time hearing Muhammad Ali. You know, that's a pretty solid one right there. But, um, yeah. last two questions here for you. TikTok for you, Paige, you're scrolling that app. You know, what are some of those different videos that you're seeing? Cause you know, for some reason TikTok always has that way of finding out what you want to see. So what's that for you page looking like? And then final question, dream NIL brand, you know, you get to college there next fall, have the opportunity to capitalize on your name image and likeness. What would be that dream brand to endorse collaborate or partner with? I, uh, um, could you remind me the first question real quick? I had uh, an answer. Uh, TikTok for you page. TikTok for you page. Um, for some reason right now, every TikTok that shows up on my For You page is the, uh, kind of seniors ending their last, like, sports season. Um, it's really sad, and I don't want it to be on my For You page, but it is, no matter how hard I try. Um, I don't like any of them, they just keep showing up. Uh, but then, um, oh, sorry, you need to remind me of the second question, too. Uh, the Dream NIL brand. Dream NIL brand. Uh... Ah, I think I gotta go. 
I don't know if you've heard of it before, but uh, Unwritten Brands, uh, they come out with some really cool stuff. They're a smaller IG. Um, one of one of my boys knows one of his friends is uh, an ambassador on there. Um, and we we actually we almost got we almost got a, like kind of in touch with them, but we don't know if we're allowed to yet with the our weird CPS rules. But I think if I could get something worked out with with them, that'd be pretty cool. I really like their stuff and their message. So there we go. And also, you staying in the city of Chicago, you know, loving that Cinco de Mayo place. Never know. Maybe maybe the, maybe their owners listen to the podcast right now. Going to reach out when you get to Northwestern next fall. Oh. I'm I'm sending it to them. This is the only reason I went on here. So I yeah, can send, sure. send it to sure. them. You got, you got to get you got to get that free Cinco de Mayo meals. But uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, man. Last and final question here for you on the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, it's great kind of you know getting to know you a little bit better, getting to know your baseball career. Um. As you go through, you know, obviously your senior year at Lane Tech, go through your career at Northwestern, and hopefully years beyond that as well. I do want to wish you the best luck within your baseball career. But again, man, just you know, really appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you reaching out, man. I, I loved having you down in Florida talking to you. It was, it was a blast, so I really enjoyed it.